The postseason is here, and the Ringer NBA show has you covered with Real Ones, Group Chat, The Answer, and Ringer NBA Postgame. Check out the Ringer NBA show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by USAA Homeowners Insurance. USAA has homeowners insurance that could lead the league in assists. Serving our military veterans and their eligible family members, USAA delivers award-winning service and peace of mind. And if you file a claim, the process is transparent and easy, and you can do it all right in the USAA app. Tap the banner or visit usaa.com slash homeowners to learn more and get a quote. Restrictions apply. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me as he does every Tuesday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Bumble, Kevin O'Kindness, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Killian, Kevin I wish we had a better game to react to. Yeah, we are reacting to game four of the Atlanta-Milwaukee series, which uh, as it is counting down now, we are beginning recording on... Uh, Tuesday night, and uh, it's going to end up being a 20-plus margin in this game. And as I have the television on here, Clint Capella got hit in the face against the garbage time bucks and it's like really like why not why not just go ahead and put the icing on top of all of this and catch another injury in this because this is crazy he got hit in the face um hopefully he's going to be fine the story of this game is obviously the loss of Giannis Antetokounmpo for the Milwaukee Bucks and we're left with wait and see yeah wait and see the Bucks announced tonight that it was a hyper extended left knee um, his knee bent backwards after going up for a lob dunk. Land, uh, unfortunately, landed awkwardly. Um, just a unfortunate situation there. And hopefully for Giannis, it's just a hyperextension and nothing else. I'm sure we'll find out more Wednesday or Thursday. Um, but this sucks, man. You know, Trey gets hurt accidentally, like stepping on the raft. You know, he's out tonight. Clint Capella doesn't finish the game. Giannis has a potentially major injury. It just stinks, dude. There's been too many major injuries. It's unfortunate. And unfortunately, Kev, it is the story of this postseason and and really to this year for that matter. They're trying to get in the season. They tried to get in as many games they possibly could. I heard Rosillo saying he, he, and I may get this, uh, it's going to, it might be a little off, but it, if it is, it's close. Something to the effect of that the Clippers had just played their 
17th game in 32 days or something like that. And I, when I heard it, I was like, oh, my God. And that's after, right? That's just since the season. You're talking about 17 games possibly in 32 days. And I, just off the top of my head, okay, without looking anything up, I tried to start writing down names just that I could remember. This is what I got. Trey Young, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, Serge Ibaka, Anthony Davis, Danny Green, Dante DiVincenzo, DeAndre Hunter, Jalen Brown. And those are, and I, I'm sure I'm going to miss some, but I mean, I just named, you know, <laughs> like many of the best yeah. players that we have in the league. And that's not to mention guys that weren't even involved anyway, like the Jamal, Jamal Murray's, yeah. Clay yep. Thompson. Miles Turner, Oladipo, like there was all kinds of guys like that that weren't involved. But and now as we get further, what you are hoping and that's not even to mention Devin Booker with a broken nose and Chris Paul with a bum shoulder throughout this thing. It's like this really is going to be survivor. (laughs) Just who has the most guys that can suit up and play well together? I mean, it's the type of thing where, you know, we don't know what Giannis's status or Trey's status will be. The two best players in both for both teams in the Eastern Conference Finals. It's like so it's it's impossible. Like we can't talk about what will what happen the rest of the series. Because we don't know what the deal is gonna be for Trey. No idea. We just don't know. And it's just unfortunate that we're at this point. And as you said, it's survivor. It's the teams that are the healthiest at the end of it. After this long season uh, with some unfortunate injuries, some injuries perhaps due to fatigue and, you know, the condensed schedule, but some of them were just unfortunate, like the Giannis one tonight. It's just an awkward landing. It sucks that that happened, man. And it puts a lot of pressure on your depth when you lose these guys. And and let's just say this, because I got to be honest, when we were watching game three, I thought Atlanta Really had a lot of momentum in that game. They were sticking around after they had getting popped in Milwaukee. They're sticking around. I thought they were playing really well until the Trey thing happened, and then it all flipped on them. And then, of course, Middleton just buried them in the fourth quarter. In this game, I was wildly impressed with how they looked without Trey Young. Oh yeah, in the fold, Lou Williams. You know, how many times have we talked about this? And we talked about this with campaign, you know, just a week ago. What is the drop off? And of course, when everything kind of revolves around Trey, there's going to be a drop off. But can these guys get it done as a collective? And Lou Williams, who's longtime veteran, who's had some some bad playoff runs. He comes in mega efficient, seven for nine from the field, knocks down some threes, gets you eight assists, keeps the ball popping he around. Was great. And really good today. Yeah. I mean, what do you want? Right. And, and sure. not to mention, they hold Milwaukee to 88 points. Yeah. You know? Oh, and speaking of holding them to 88 points, somebody who just got back from injury, Cam Reddish. Right. Reddish tonight, I thought, had some excellent possessions defending Chris Middleton. And let's say Giannis is out the rest of the series, which I mean, in all likelihood, he's going to miss at least a game. I mean, is he really going to be back after that hyper extension by Thursday night? I don't know. Like that it's hard would to be, imagine. It's very, very hard to imagine that happening, which means a lot of pressure is going to be on Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton to generate shots, create offense even more than they did, were already because Giannis's role sometimes in the half court as a screener or a finisher near the rim. So 
Cam Reddish did a great job on Chris Middleton, man. Like, that's the thing. We talked about this when Reddish was coming back. You know, his offense has been up and down. It started really bad when he first got into the NBA last season. But every step of the way, his defense has been rock solid. It's been great at times. So we saw that tonight in this game against Middleton. And for Atlanta here, um, you know, their depth just seems better overall they have more pieces more guys who can create for you more guys who can get stops so you know we'll see what happens with the main guys but it, it, for atlanta like it, it it looks great to have reddish performing at that level i like your point on reddish because when i was watching him tonight one of the things that immediately came to my mind is deandre uh deandre ayton and the reason is because we have talked so much about how how much Aiton has changed this year. He went out of his way to talk up Chris Paul and the impact he has. And oh, that was a great quote. <laughs> and, well, and it's one of those sliding doors moments where what does Aiton's career become if he's not with Chris Paul and in that environment this year? And I think the same thing can be said for Reddish because I was super down on Reddish after the first couple of years. But how do these guys react when you throw them in a good environment? You know, we've talked so many times about guys get drafted out of college and it's not unlike childhood. If I put a kid in a crappy school, guess what? The odds are... He's not going to get the education. He's not going to like school. He's not He's not going to have good teachers. And it's not going to be a great experience. And the exceptional ones will be fine no matter where I put them. Yeah. No matter where I put them. There's some kids that it doesn't matter what kind of environment you put them in. They're going to be just fine. But if I take some of the same kids that don't have the opportunities to go to good schools and I put them in a good school... Watch how what then you can get the best out of them. And I really view it that way so many times in the NBA. It's like if you were on another rat team that loses 60 games a year, like you may lose Cam Reddish for a career. His career might just end up being a disappointment. Just fades same away. goes with yeah. same goes with Aiton. But these guys both got into winning situations this year. And it's like the you know rising tide lifts all boats, and all of a sudden, this guy looks like a real player. You know what I mean? When you put him, when you put him in a winning environment, and you're speaking to like a, a deeper societal conversation about sure. situation and opportunity and education, and all absolutely. That. But like in terms of the NBA, for Cam Reddish, it's a great situation for him to be in Atlanta. It's like a it's a role that emphasizes his strengths: spot up, attack closeouts, make the right pass play hard on defense. Like it's very simplified for Deandre Ayton. It's like, you don't have to worry about scoring 25 points. Now set strong screens, roll hard to the rim, rebound the ball, get put back dunks and whatnot. And then on defense, play hard, every possession it's simplified. And these guys are embracing their roles and performing at a high level. And the major word that comes along with that. And I think about this when it was all these years down the road and you got the best out of Julius Randle. And Julius Randle talked about how Tom Thibodeau held him accountable. He said, it's the first coach I've had that truly held me accountable. And Nate McMillan holds those guys accountable. They're not going to play. He, he, like if you're Cam Red, you're not playing. 
DeAndre Ayton, he is held accountable. Yeah. Right? You're right. And so and 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 guys crave that. Young players crave that kind of accountability that is required and the discipline. And so it's nice to see because it's a good story. And I also don't want to I don't think it's fair to turn this one into a, oh yeah, well Giannis went out. A, they're down double digits. B, the other team was up Trey Young. Like they they didn't play the whole game. At least you had Giannis for a half. Hawks were playing a really strong game. I mean, yeah, the, you don't the have Bucks, any. You don't have any excuse. To, to be fair, like the Bucks were starting to build a little bit of momentum start of the third quarter. But I mean, we've seen the Hawks take take those types of punches all the time and then just fire back. They were playing great basketball tonight uh, before Giannis got hurt and after he got hurt. They they were sensational, really. All right, so go on the record, Kev. What's your prediction going forward? I'll tell you what. I, how, how about, I can't how about tell the, you who's playing. How, how about, I mean, it's more likely we see Trey next game. That's fair, yeah. right? I mean, maybe. Well, that's, maybe. I mean, but it's, I more, it's more likely, I think. I don't know. Who knows? You think that ref was standing there because he bitched at the refs all season? <laughs> it was a sneak attack. Might have been. <laughs> Might have been a sneak attack. That guy didn't look remorseful at all. No. <laughs> Did he? Not like, usually bit. you would think a ref would be like, hey, man, like, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> no. He's like staring him down. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, did you just flop you on flop, a ref? Flopping again? I know. Yeah, yeah, right, I yeah. was like, bro, you better be hurt. Yeah. You can't be, you can't be laying out because you got stepped on a ref. Yeah. I mean, I don't really know, Chris, but uh, like I said earlier, Atlanta's depth seems stronger overall the ability to withstand a loss and continue performing at a high level we saw that happen tonight we did and i do worry about the i worry for the buck side how good reddish did against middleton i know middleton went off last game but we've seen middleton just get scorching hot like that it happens regardless of who's defending him um like nobody can stop that but in our normal game reddish gave him some trouble really good performance well, what's crazy is the next game, which we don't know who the participants are going to be. And if Giannis, we, we'd imagine just from watching tonight, it, it's very hard to believe that he'll be available. Um, you'll hear it 100,000 times. The percentages in these series, when a series is 2-2, the winner of game five, like game five is the pivotal game. Historically, that is the game that has decided the series. In, in more cases than not, at a very, very high percentage. So who knows? I mean, it's 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 hard to it's hard to be able to predict anything when we don't even know who's gonna be playing in the game, but God forbid Giannis really is out for the rest of this. And that's you know, cause it, it's like one of these teams got such a huge gut punch when it was announced that Trey Young was going to be out. And then the other one got a gut punch in the middle of the game. Ugh. And it's like your whole season, the whole season flashed before their eyes for every Atlanta fan. And then the whole season flashed before their eyes for every Bucks fan in the span of 12 hours. Cause that's, that's how fleeting this can be. Yeah. Unless you're the LA Clippers. It seems mm -hmm. because they now are in a very good position, Kevin. Um, I view it like this. If you are the Clippers, this is house money. You know, if you lose, you didn't have Kawhi. 
And everybody's going to say, man, and if they had Kawhi. And if you win, you've done the incredible. Truly, right? A 3-1 comeback without a former finals MVP. Right. (laughs) One of the best five guys in the league, right? Someone who we would have said is absolutely essential to any success that they are going to have. But they ended up winning... you know, the game that they needed to in Phoenix. Now they get to go back home for a game six. And now, and then if you get to seven, oh my God, the amount of pressure on the team that's never been in that spot. You know, the, 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 the Clippers are the much more veteran laden team. Um, and so I, I don't know, man, like, I feel like Phoenix should have buried them. I feel like when they had the chance, last night and that could really really come back to haunt them um you got a home game you better bury him and you didn't you got to keep in mind kev the games that the clippers have won they bombed them out a couple times oh yeah were they and and the and the games that phoenix have won (laughs) missed two free throws and an eight and lob tip into the rim i mean could could be over already. <laughs> I know. And then you get to last night, and I thought going into that game when they announced Zubats was out. And look, I'm well aware Zubats has been good during this series. Um, it interestingly still stands that they've only won one of the games that he has played big minutes. But I am of the opinion that they are devastating small. That they have <laughs> they the that goods. Night. To be able to play small. Well, look, Kev, they did they they won that way against Dallas. They won that way uh against Utah. And then they got to this this series against Phoenix. And the general sentiment was, yeah, but you can't do that because the other team has DeAndre Ayton. And that appeared to be a fool's errand. You know, you give Ty Luke credit for putting together the zone. Um, you know, but let's be honest. The choice was made for him. I mean, it's it's hard to it's hard to imagine he's not playing Zubac if Zubac is available. But what they did was run out there last night. They they made Aiton the Gobert character in that game. It was ball popping around. It was lanes open, and they demolished them in points in the paint. Because the truth is, yes, they have DeAndre Aiton. And DeAndre Ayton should they, they you know Monty Williams should put him in a position to hurt them more when they play small, but he's the only big guy they have on the whole roster because they ain't playing Kaminsky, you know. And the other guys they have, those aren't big guys. It's Bridges, it's Crowder, it's not. They're not the team. Sometimes you get these big teams that could really punish you for playing small. They're not the team that will punish you for playing a small lineup, in my opinion. And I thought you saw a lot of what you saw against Dallas, against Utah, and then last night against Phoenix, where they've got enough defense and their offense can be just absolutely devastating. For sure. And I do wonder, entering this next game, will we see some more situations in which they try to feed Aiton with a post-up? to get him an opportunity to score on a smaller guy. Cause there wasn't a ton of that. Right. Uh, it right. didn't feel like he was fed that often at all. You know, with some of the, they were playing drop defense with like some late switches or early switches right at the top of the screen. And it just was neutralizing 
that Phoenix pick and roll attack. Well, and here's the problem, Kev. Nobody does it. Nobody posts people up anymore. Because it's an inefficient play for most bigs. Yeah. So you're, like, you're playing the numbers, but some t- if the Clippers are shutting down what you do best, which is quick passes, you know, whipping the ball around the floor, a lot of assists, the Suns throughout the series, their numbers per game in terms of passes translating into assists have dropped significantly. The Clippers mm-hmm. have done a good job at, you know, turning that off. So maybe the key would be now and Kate instead to experiment a little bit, feeding eight and see what he can do against a smaller guy. It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. I got to be honest. I was a little shocked that a Chris Paul-led team looked that bad against the zone. Yeah, early you on. Figure, like, it, it was a struggle for too long. That was too, too long. The other thing is they tried to shoot him out of it. They, they got like, they got some good shots out of it. Yeah, no, know, they did. But, make but, miss, but, what, would he have six missed threes or something like that? Yeah. Like Chris Paul's, he's not a three point shooter, you know. Um, it's not like he shoots a low percentage, you know, for his career. But he also is not a high volume. He's never. That's not his game, right? You're you're trying to keep Chris Paul off the elbow, not away from the three point line, you know. And and Booker is still not right. Part of that no, is because not. of the defense, but it's it's just totally unfair to watch him and not freely admit that this is not. This is not the same player, you know, and we talked about the broken nose last week and I told you, you know, this was going to be very, very difficult. Obviously, that mask was bothering him a lot, but they just they need Booker to be awesome. And he hasn't been close to awesome. (laughs) I mean, he's been bad. He's off. There's something yes. off and probably because of the nose injury, you know, like we've talked. Sure. About. But um, I, I really do think with, you know, Aiton only had two post touches in that game. That's not enough. Hey, when you have a smaller guy on you, I wonder if we'll see more of that. Or maybe it's as simple as Devin Booker goes off. Chris Paul goes off. But ultimately, like either way, Chris, you got to give this Clippers team a heck of a lot of credit to even have a game six wow. without Kawhi Leonard. It's remarkable the toughness and the grit this team has up and down the roster. Uh, you, you really just have to tip your cap to them to even be in this situation to have a chance to force a game seven. I was telling my buddy, if you if you just had a guy that had been in a coma for 20 years and he came out of the coma and he was like, hey, you know, you're like, hey, let's watch this basketball game. And you just watch the second half of that basketball game. That guy would think Paul George is the greatest the basketball player to ever <laughs> walk the planet. Paul George was sensational. It, what a what a night for him, man. You watch him like that second half of that game. He really looks like the best basketball player you have <laughs> ever seen. He's just ridiculous. He's smooth. He can get to the basket. He could dish. He could 
He could cross you over and step back and hit a three. He can go to the line and get some, or he go to the cup and get some and ones for you. And it's like, I just, it's unfathomable to watch him. You know, we saw him have a five for 20 just a few games ago, right? Yeah, yep. And if you would have watched it, you would have been like, that guy's been, uh, you know, that guy's going to be a Hall of Famer one day. That guy's made that many <laughs> all NBA teams, right? And then you watch last night, and it's like, that's why. I don't know if I've ever seen a better basketball player than this guy. Mm. He's unstoppable. He got whatever he wanted. In the half. He got whatever he wanted. And, like, it's not like Mikel Bridges was, you know, letting him go by him. Paul George was hitting some tough, contested shots near the basket from mid-range everywhere around the court and he made good passes too right like he he facilitated well as he has even in the games he struggled scoring but i mean it was a sensational performance by paul george and uh it's it's just kind of crazy like i can't get over the fact that they're in this position without Kawhi leonard and that if they were to complete the comeback they could be in the finals against a hawks team or depleted bucks team with Paul George as their best player, like you never know what could happen the rest Paul of the way. So expect the unexpected here. Well, the other thing is we watch these games and you get so up and so down on these teams every single game, right? Because we were the Suns were going to be there, you know. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a bridge too far without Kawhi, and you know how many times is Reggie Jackson going to be awesome and Paul George going to be awesome? I mean, starting to be a believer is, that Reggie Jackson just is awesome. <laughs> I know. I keep trying to quote. I, I, I keep trying to quote to people that thing that you keep saying uh, on these shows about his the ISO oh, the, stat. The ISO stat. Yeah, yeah. That he was like the Num- best, number one. <laughs> yeah, he's wh- the best. When when Reggie Jackson runs on isolation. The Clippers are like lead the NBA in isolation scoring efficiency, <laughs> according to the second spectrum for the regular season and the playoffs. And like all the names after him are the names you'd expect. Damian Lillard, James Harden, Kevin Durant, <laughs> Steph Curry. It's like all those guys like you would guess who's number one. But Reggie Jackson is at the top. <laughs> Unstu- a force it's, of nature. Oh, it's nuts. I, I can't get over that. And you know what's so crazy? I should have just held on to my opinion because I told you it was 2014 that I saw, uh, I covered a Memphis-Oklahoma City series, and in game four, game four was in Memphis, and the Grizzlies held Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook to 30 points combined, combined. And Reggie Jackson had 30-plus in the game Big and time. single-handedly won them a playoff game. And for the next seven years... I thought Reggie Jackson, I was like, man, why don't people, more people talk about Reggie Jackson? And then every time I would see him, he was going off. And I I like had this higher opinion of Reggie Jackson than I ever should have. And it's all because of this one playoff game and then some subsequent regular season games. And then I was like, all right, fine. Like then obviously you're watching league pass and it's like, okay, that's not what he's like all the time. And nobody has this opinion of Reggie Jackson. except I should have just held on to yeah, the damn opinion yeah. of Reggie Jackson. It would have come back around and I could have been like, I've been telling people Reggie Jackson. Awesome. Damas. You, I've been you telling knew. you, you I've been telling you this guy is the truth. <laughs> seven years ago, I saw him <laughs> and now it's seven years later. And he's like just taking over playoff games. And, and I'll tell you what, it all happened because he 
you know, the last two seasons fixed his three pointer. He's shooting over yep. 40% from three. He's improved his jump shot. That's opening up driving lanes. He's always been a guy who could attack off the dribble, but he couldn't hit shots. That's yes. opened up everything for him. It really, like, it really does emphasize the importance of a reliable jump shot that can, it can change everything for a player because it enhances all your other skills. Reggie Jackson is what the Lakers thought they were getting with Dennis Schroeder. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, yep, yep, this version of Reggie Jackson, one of the who quick gets, thing on the Clippers. Chris. Hey, well, hold on before I go on, before you go on, who gets more? Oh, who gets more? <laughs> They're both free agents. Uh, I'd go with a uh, Dennis Schroeder. You think so? Uh, I, I think the clutch. I think Reggie like might have gone the, ahead the, of the him. clutch Lakers, you know, connection there is p- oh. playing into my reasoning. Okay. But we'll see. We'll see. All hey, Reggie's made himself a couple bucks. That's for oh, sure. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. Rightfully <laughs> so. He looks great. Seriously. Yeah. He looks great. Like an occasional, like, you know, silly mistake. But other than that, he looks sensational. What else were you going to say about the clips? Uh, I was just going to say Paul George, 735 minutes played in the postseason so far. Number one in the entire NBA. Devin Booker is next closest with 605. Then Reggie Jackson, 585. I mean, it's He's just played- crazy. Like Paul George Wait. is an outlier. 735 minutes. The only guy over 605. He's played the, I mean, almost three more games yeah. than anybody then in minutes. Is that right? Yep. Because you said it was what? The difference was 130? 735 for Paul George to 605 for Devin yeah. Booker. It's almost three games. That's wild. Dramatic difference. I mean, it is three games. You play yeah. 40 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. You're pretty good wow. at math, Chris. You get it. You get it. You get you get a. What's your GPA in math? It's from. You get it. Look, the, the reason I get do the quick math is because of gambling. <laughs> <laughs> Not proud of that. Hey, I went and looked up. So regarding the small lineups, I went up and looked at this um, for just the playoffs, like because it was going to give me a bigger sample. Right. Because I, I, I said when it was Dallas, when it was Utah and now Phoenix, Whenever I see these small lineups, I think, man, this is such an advantage because they can really do this. And their offense is outstanding, and their defense is good enough. The second most played lineup in the playoffs so far for the Clippers is this lineup. Reggie Jackson and Terrence Mann with Batum, George, and Morris. Okay? That's the second most played lineup that they have. That lineup has an offensive rating of 144. How many minutes total? 48 minutes. So what would be the equivalent of a game? Uh, okay. Wow. Small sample, but you know, it's the playoffs. Well, I mean, a that's a, that's a second most, yeah, you know, that they've used it's behind a, it, ones with Kawhi. It's an outstanding number to have, like regardless of sample size. Well, and, and, here's the and point. Like also it confirms what you're watching with your eyeballs too. That's right. So uh, like I say, the, uh, the defense gets by the defensive rating on that lineup is 126.5, which would on its own in a vacuum be horrendous. Yeah. Except <laughs> they score 144. <laughs> so the net rating is plus 17. Yeah. So they just, I mean, they give up points, but they score at a rate that is just obscene. And if you go through it, there is only one Zubox lineup that has been good. Only one. And it's with really four small guys. It's with Pat Bev, Reggie, 
Paul George and Terrence Mann. And then, so one big and then four small guys. And there's a lot of the minutes where any lineup that's him and Morris is a debacle. They can't do it. It can't be. They can't play Morris and, and, and Zubats together. Chris, do you think the Clippers are going to force a game seven? I get the sense that you do. Is Zubats going to be out? We don't know. If he's out, yes. If he's back in, no. Or if he plays, what is the number under 18 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that's just relevant towards a lot of minutes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that over the course of time, what we have learned throughout the season and what we have learned with, through the playoffs. I mean, I think here's the big question, Kev. I do think the Clippers will win game six. Okay. For, to answer your question. Um, assuming he's out. The big question will be, Will you do the hard thing if you are Monty Williams and it's not working with Aiton and just abandon it? I don't know if he'll do that. It 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 did in Quinn with Gobert. They were just going to do it. You know that's what they were going to do. They were going to play their big guy, and it just wasn't an advantage for them. In fact, it was a massive detriment to them once the Clippers went small. Can they, are they going to force Phoenix to be small with them? Because you don't really have the option of being big, big. You could keep trying to throw post-ups to DeAndre Ayton, but you haven't done that all year. That's not how your team functions. That's sometimes what happens in the playoffs is you do things that you haven't done that often. But he's not that guy. He's He's not not that guy, pal. No, he's He's not not that guy, pal. He's not a post guy. You're right. That's not his game. But Chris, I, 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 look, I mean, if you're minimizing Aiton's minutes from 35 plus to 28, yeah, I could potentially see that. But I don't think you're going to pull the plug on Aiton. He's been sensational throughout the postseason, including in this series, in moments the Clippers were playing small. Like, it just wasn't a great game. The Clippers were sensational on both ends of the floor. I think if you're the Suns, you just need to figure out how do you get back to playing some of that crisp offense that you were playing earlier in the series and throughout the postseason because that's been lost. Part of that is due to injuries. Part of that is due to just, you know, guys not hitting some of those open shots against the zone earlier in the game. But ultimately, I think for the Suns team here, it's not any dramatic changes that have to happen, in my opinion. Um, a lot of it is just due to what it, what the theme has been throughout this. Devin Booker, not the same guy since the nose injury. Chris Paul, you know, been up and down since he got back. That last game, uh, numbers-wise, was solid, but still only 8 for 19, still 0 for 6 from 3. Doesn't seem like he totally has his legs back yet on his jump shots. Short a lot on those. You know, you got to have your star players play like superstars. The Clippers did with Paul George. He had a remarkable game. Chris Paul and Devin Booker did not. Sometimes I really do think it's that simple. I don't think you pull the plug on Aiton. Um, if anything, maybe you lean more into Aiton and try to punish them. Well, that's what Quinn did. No, he didn't. Like they, they, they didn't feed Gobert at all on offense because you can't feed Gobert. You can at least give Aiton the ball. Gobert, you can't. That's the big it's difference. All, it's all rim guys. runs. It's all rim runs. He's not posting anybody. Yeah, up. but but you've never seen Gobert hit a turnaround jump shot. Like Aiton can hit those. He had one of those. He only had two post touches, Chris. Like Aiton's way too skilled on offense to not get four or five or six. I'm not asking for him to get yeah, 15 yeah. touches, but you know, four or five or six touches. You know, let's let's see how it works. 
Let's well, just I'd see say this, how it Morris works. held up. Uh, Morris held up defensively. Mo- Morris and, looked better than he has ever well, since he got the back. Other thing he is, great. It it might be fair to say that's it's an extreme outlier. Like Mark Marcus Morris came into that game, and yes, it's devastating when you can have somebody that forces you to pull Aiton completely away from the basket because he's making every friggin' three he takes. Like if if Marcus Morris misses those it goes one for five, or if Marcus Morris goes O for five, which is totally possible, you know, shooting those threes, maybe it's a different world, you know? But he didn't. He made them. And so then that that opened up every lane. And you've got when you've got ISO Reggie and you've got Paul George. I mean, it's not like the Clippers shot the hell out of it, though. They were 10 for 30 total for the game, you know. Yeah, and truth be told, the, the Morris thing might be an outlier. He played huge minutes. He got, he got you 22 points. He took 16 shots. I, I misspoke earlier. He didn't hit five threes, but he hit, he took five, and he made two of those first five, and he had a huge first half, and then Paul George took over the second half. But, I mean, I, I, look, the other totals for Marcus Morris are four, eight, seven, six, seven, and then he had in two games against Utah, strangely, 25 one night and 24 another night. And so that's the thing. If Marcus Morris can be a huge problem by being able to play him at five against Aiton and he's stretching the floor and he's kind of opening everything up for everybody else, I don't know. I mean, it'll be a decision that had to be made because Aiton, you know, not only did he not get go- going offensively, I mean, they pulled him away from the basket. I think yeah, he had the worst plus minus, I think, by a pretty wide margin last night uh, for their team. Well, it's just a that, tough and game. That's, and that's the big part, Chris. Like, that was the thing with Utah. You know, Gobert couldn't punish them on offense, so they were able to pull him away from the rim on defense because they weren't forcing them to go big. Aiton, if you're able to get punish them inside, whether it's from Aiton, whether it's from, you know, attacking closeouts or Chris Paul getting to the basket, if you can beat them inside and force them to add a rim protector, more minutes for Boogie Cousins, you know, I mean, or if Zubats plays, increasing his minutes, if he can do that, then you can get into what you want to on defense by having Aiton defending those pick and rolls, not just standing in the corner because he's defending Morris or Bertum or whoever the big might be. So, like, you have to get inside. You have to get to the basket and punish them to make them make the change and adjust to you. The other thing is Booker and Paul, those guys got to beat people off the dribble and turn him also make it easier for him. Let him be the Capella type. That's yeah. what he is that where you can finish because he could jump over everybody. But if they're not beating people off the dribble, they're not a driving team. They're a two, two dribble pull up team. Right. But all you got to do is be able to get downhill a little bit to be able to set him up, roll into the basket on these hard rolls. And they haven't even been able to do that. And part of that's because Terrence Mann and Pat Bev and that group, they have done an unbelievable really job yeah, defending. Great. Perimeter defense has been great. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried about Phoenix. Are you? No, they'll win one. So you think if they don't win... You don't think they're winning six in L.A.? I don't know. I don't know. I look forward to seeing the Zubats news on Wednesday. Oh, that <laughs> <laughs> is going to decide everything, isn't it? I mean, it? it's going to make a difference for sure. It will. Yeah, I think so, too. It's 
I gotta be honest with you. If we're being like, this sucks. All the injuries. It just sucks. Yeah, I know. It really has deflated me. Yeah, I know. Like especially the one tonight with Giannis. Like that one just. You know, took my excitement. I was so looking forward to doing this pod with you tonight. We were having a potentially, a, you know, a good game. Like yes. Hawks were up, and then Giannis gets hurt. Yeah. Disappointing. And, well, because at least with the Giannis thing, if the Bucks, you know, stood up and it's like, all right, they've lost DiVincenzo, but they're pretty full strength, and you yeah. can say that they're a worthy team people can forever say yeah well brooklyn would have been healthy they would have lost but i mean they got a two-time mvp on their team and i mean if it, if we get to the end of this i mean atlanta could <laughs> really be in the nba finals that's a real thing right yeah, now i know I if know. he's not back there's a real chance right now a real chance hey welcome to ikea where even this desk is circular huh how so? Looks pretty rectangular to me. It's because we're always looking to repair, reuse, and we love our products, like buying back your IKEA items for store credit. Or shop our as-is section for great deals. You can even order free spare parts. Get on the circular path for a more sustainable future. Still a rectangle. Get started at IKEA-USA.com slash circular. Visit IKEA-USA.com slash circular for as-is information and buyback and resale terms and conditions. Spare parts not available for all products. Well, if it does happen, Kevin, I'm going to be very disappointed that you didn't pick Atlanta. Because <laughs> I count on you to be the expert on all things NBA. <laughs> Do you think anybody picked Atlanta to be in the NBA Finals? Atlanta fans. I, we, I, we picked Atlanta to lose to the Knicks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure, if they can't go to the Finals. Come on. <laughs> we got to lose to the damn Knicks. It's that kind of year, Chris. It is it is that kind of year. Um, there's been coaching news that has taken place over the course of the last couple of days. Um, look, this is not the way you want a new coach, a new coach's era to begin the way it is beginning for Chauncey Billups in Portland. First, we have a story a couple of days ago, since we've last spoke over the weekend by Chris Haynes about Damian Lillard, and about his level of discontent regarding the coaching search, the ability to build a champion. And then, you know, it felt like in in some ways, um, you know, him paying attention to what fans were saying online and that it was bothersome that it was pegged on him that they hired Chauncey Billups who has this sexual assault allegation that took place in 1997, which I absolutely believe Damian Lillard, he knew nothing about um, and, you know, wanted to distance himself from the idea that he didn't care about this. He didn't know about this. And I believe him wholeheartedly because I'll be honest with you, Kevin, I have covered the NBA for the last 20 years of my life. Three days ago is the first time I'd ever heard about yeah. it. I mean, honestly, it just has not been a thing regarding Chauncey Billups, right? Like, it, it, you juxtapose that with the Jason Kidd story. Jason Kidd was an insanely famous player playing in the NBA Finals. I knew what his wife looked like and who she was. I knew what his kid looked like. 
and his name. And I mean, like, and he was in New York City. This is the epicenter of media attention. Um, twice when things happened, you know, on, on his record. And so that one was very well known to everybody. Chauncey Billups has been, it's not like he has been sight unseen. He has been a national television broadcaster. He has been an assistant coach for the Los Angeles Lakers. And I understand that now when you're getting a head job, people are going to dive even deeper. But no lie, I had never heard of this situation until he got this Portland job. And so I believe Damian Lillard, I can only imagine if you're Damian Lillard, you're sitting there going, well, hold the phone now, right? Like, if people are jumping on me for saying I want to have a guy that has this in his past, that's not really fair because I didn't even know this. Fast forward to today, they're doing the introductions. Chauncey Billups rightfully is asked about it by Jason Quick, and public relations immediately shuts down the question, causing... um just an incredibly bad scene for everyone involved. I think it's important to say the question asked, you know, in the introduction, Chauncey Billups said, you know, since 1997, when that happened, it was like an unbelievable, you know, life lesson for him. And, you know, it really steered the people that he surrounded himself with the choices that he made, you know, with friendships, with relationships. And Jason Quick's question was a follow up to that. You know, you said there was a lot of lessons in your life that you learned. Um, it shaped your life. You know, what 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 changed? And that was a question that got caught up. I thought it was a very fair question to ask because you know, having something like this on his record, um, it, there's so many other strong candidates in the NBA. There's hundreds of great coaches around the world who are fully qualified for a position and. BlazersEdge.com did a great article last week, you know, talking to a lot of, you know, their fans who are women about how they feel about it. They offer their their thoughts and their opinions about it. And I believe one of them in there said, like, there's so many qualified candidates. Why somebody with this on their record? And I think that's a very fair question. Um, but I also think like the Jason Quick question is fair as well. How do you grow from something like that, from an allegation like that? And it's disappointing that Chauncey Billups didn't get an opportunity to answer that. I mean, that's the way I felt watching that. Uh, I just thought it was such a poorly handled press conference. Neil O'Shea throughout that, not revealing any details of anything. Who investigated this? They said there's a team investigation. Uh, it's just all been so poorly handled. Um, it's just all of it's just disappointing. All of it's ugly. It is disappointing, but I will say, Kev, none of us even knew. But I, I understand this is the world we live in, right? People didn't know about something, and then all of a sudden it's the most important thing in the world yeah. uh, to them. And they're grossly outraged about everything that's taken place. I don't know what happened with Chauncey Billups. Um, I would imagine most people don't know what happened. I have always been one to say when it has come to matters of the law, like, when guys do something wrong, if they are found to have done something wrong, especially something as egregious as what he is accused, it is the job of a police department and it is the job of law enforcement to find these people, to, to make these people pay for their actions, 
right? They go to prison or they go to, you know what I mean? Or they have the punishment. Like we have a structure in place. I, I don't know what happened 24 years ago. And I, I, it would have been very worthwhile for him to sit down and explain. And maybe people would feel differently yeah. if he explained, you know, what happened. And I, I'm sure he never thought he was going to revisit something 24 years after the fact. But I would just say that it is law enforcement's job to deal with something like that. All I can do is deal with what takes place after law enforcement deals with that and then have an opinion on that, right? Um, he did not go to prison. He did not. He was not found guilty of this crime. He, there was a civil suit of which he settled out of court in this situation. Um, but and I the others know. involved in that did too. Well, and right? I'm just, Ron, I'm not, I Ron, guess Ron Mercer also settled. He was part of that's that. right. And Antoine Walker also did. And I believe Antoine Walker's friend, uh, by the name of Michael Irvin, no association with uh, NFL right. Michael Irvin. That's right. And so it's hard because I didn't. I have an opinion of Chauncey Billups. I didn't know about any of this, and it's never been talked about, as far as I know. It wasn't a thing when he was hired at ESPN. It wasn't a thing when he was hired at the Lakers. Clippers. And I understand. Clippers, oh, the Clippers, I'm sorry. And now he is getting this head coaching job. It was never a thing when he was people talking about him getting the Cleveland general manager's job. Like none of this. It, 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 and now all of a sudden it comes up and people are outraged by it. But I mean, I, I it's one of those things where I just learned about this. And I'm also... As I have gotten older, I just like it's not my job it's not my job to 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 judge people. And I know that that's not the I know I know that's not the prevailing sentiment around the world. I understand that these kind of subjects are incredibly testy subjects that also uh people become very very passionate about. But I can't act like I'm an expert on the Chauncey Billups situation. What I do know is the way they handled that today was absolutely disgraceful. Yeah, they did. You know, th th he was ready to give his answer. His mouth was wide open, looked ready to go. He was ready yeah, to give yeah. his answer. And you have to know that's coming. And you have to be able to, and, and like, th these are multi, this is multi-billion dollar business. How are you not ready for that moment and and maybe just maybe his answer would have been wildly in, 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 insufficient. It's very people. possible. Yeah. It, it no, and it might have been insufficient to me. Yep. And and everybody else that's watching that, right? Very well, but, could have been. Could have been also a powerful moment of growth. You know, it could have been something like that as well. Well, and because I mean, what do you want him to do to if he, if if his attempt is to clear his name? And say, I want to be involved in but he has been involved in basketball. He has. He was gonna get the Cavs job. He's been on ESPN for years. He's sitting on the sideline with the Clippers this year. Like he has been omnipresent in basketball. We'll be on Wednesday night. Right? And so, like I under like with the, with the Jason Kidd thing, we all knew that that yeah. was going on. But this is one of those where we didn't even know. And so a lot of people have opinions of Chauncey Billups that have been developed about the person that he is and has been 
for the last 20 years. Which is part of, I think, you know, the reaction here is that like for Chauncey Billups, the reputation, you know, for him as a player, as a leader, as a mentor to younger players, as both an assistant coach and when he was an older player, it's all, you know, great, right? Of like who could become a great NBA head coach. It's very similar to the way we talked about Steve Nash last year. Right. When he was hired at Brooklyn, it's like this, you know, former MVP, a leader like it checks all these boxes and similar for Chauncey Billups, right, where he should on paper slide right in and become a great NBA head coach. And then this story is revealed. Mm -hmm. And I think it's true of a lot of guys like sometimes you have these moments where something comes up that happened. You know, in this case, it was 24 years ago. And it's something I, I never I never knew about, right? Um, and so I thought they this whole thing has just been a disaster for yeah. for Portland. Uh, I'll tell you, know you what I mean. I'll tell you what, Chris. I think you know to circle back to that Haynes report, right? Of Dame trying to distance himself, saying I didn't know about this um, through the the Chris Haynes report on Yahoo Sports. If if you're Damian Lillard here. And you're watching that press conference. You're also seeing the dysfunction. You're seeing you're seeing how troubling this process was. Some investigation that we know no details of how it was handled. You're seeing Neil O'Shea a couple of weeks ago bashing, essentially throwing Terry Stotts under the bus, saying that the 29th ranked defense wasn't because of the roster. You know this and that. If I'm Damian Lord, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, am I on a sinking ship right now? Right. You know, Paul Allen, longtime owner mm. of the Blazers, you know, passes away. Now, Jody Allen, his sister is the owner um, who others have reported is, is more hands off. Neil O'Shea seems to have, according to multiple Blazers reporters, and I've heard similar full control here with everything that's happening. Final say, if you're Damian Lord, I would just be sitting here thinking, is this like his loyalty worth it? Is this is it really worth it to be here? Right. Well, and the other thing, Kev, is. You see, this is supposed to be a great day. It's supposed to be a turning of the page. It is supposed to be exciting. You're hiring Chauncey Billups, who a lot of people have thought very highly of for many, many years as a head coaching candidate, a front office candidate, and everything in between. As far as everybody knows, has conducted himself in in. in Incredibly professional, and I can't speak to 24 years ago, but what I can speak to is the last 24 years of which everyone has developed their opinion of this guy, yeah. right? And as far as I know, there has never been another Chauncey Billups incident ever. Now, you could say, yeah, well, he was that guy way back when, and he did that, but it's been 24 years, and as far as I know, he's never had any issues with with the law, right? Since and maybe you could say, well, that he he did this heinous thing, and then he learned from it, and of course he's walked the straight and narrow. But I mean, there people have developed their opinions upon what he is or what he has been for the last twenty four years, and so now you have Damian Lillard, who feels like he knows this guy, and now you're getting blamed for him getting hired. You're watching that press conference today, or frankly, you're not watching the press conference. Maybe you are, maybe you're not. If I'm outside, if I'm within that organization or I'm even outside that organization, Kevin, the only clip that came from that press conference was that one. 
that's how bad they effed up. Mm-hmm. One clip. I know one thing that happened during an introductory press conference for that coach. One. And I saw the clip a thousand times. And I saw a lot of people talking about it. Having very serious conversations. And they caused all that by doing what they did. By stymieing a reporter's question because it just made it a hundred million times worse. Right? And, I mean, it's supposed to be an exciting time for any franchise. And instead... It couldn't be less exciting. It was a public relations debacle, yeah. the likes of which is very hard to find in professional yep. sports now. These teams are so good about this stuff. It was an abs- so well absolute planned out. disaster. Absolute oh disaster. God. Yeah. Uh, and so we'll see. We'll see what takes place going forward. But Damian Lillard trade, <laughs> trade <laughs> Damian Lillard trades are hot and heavy. We were texting yep. about one this morning. Mm-hmm. We were. That's before this happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he may very well end up in a different uniform next year, Kev. We'll see. There's a lot, lot of time to go. I mean, we got, you know, Damian Lillard, the Ben Simmons stuff. Uh, maybe those two could be teammates or swap for each other. I mean, Kawhi's going to be a free agent. Like, we'll we'll see what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, if you're Chauncey Billups, your first call is to Damian Lillard. Yeah. And you say, look, I've talked to Neil. Here's what we're going to do. We, I need you here. You're my guy. Blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? A um, couple other coaching notes. Uh, Damon Stoudemire, who I happen to know. I've known him for many years. Um it was reported that he might get added to Ime Adoka's staff in Boston. Um, another young African-American head coach being added uh, to his staff. Um, now, I knew Damon. Damon has was a college coach at the University of Memphis for Josh Pastner, and then he was also a Grizzlies coach. Um, and I knew him throughout all those years while he was coaching. He is one of the most impressive guys I've ever been around. And so when I saw that name, I was so happy for him. If he does take it, I know he's been happy at Pacific where he has been coaching college basketball, but I do think you're finding a lot of guys, you know, that aren't as uh, excited about being college basketball coaches as they once were, including coach K and Roy Williams. (laughs) You know, I mean, it sucks. You got to kiss these guys asses by, by the time they're in sixth grade you gotta you gotta you gotta know everybody around them by the time they're in seventh grade. And then when you finally get them, they might go to the G League. They might get recruited by somebody else. The overtime they, league is now paying a hundred thousand dollar contract. They might suppose. go overseas. Yep. You know what I mean? Like because the other so I think very if 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 he gets him, I will tell you, uh, just from knowing the guy, that would be a very, very good hire for uh Ime Odoka. Some of these guys that I've been around over the years. They just, and, you know, he was a point guard and an outstanding one. They see the game in a different way. They see things you don't see. Um, And he is especially great with players because he was part of that jailblazers. And so you want to talk about a guy that can tell you, you know, talk about mistakes made and things that he did when he was young. And he, he relates to these guys and they relate to him in a way that other guys, it's so hard uh, to do. And he really has made it his life's mission to help young players not make some of those mistakes he made and also become great basketball players. Likewise, another former point guard, Penny Hardaway, his name was up for the Orlando job. 
for sure. And I thought, like, it looks like they're not, I mean, they weren't going to hire him. He, he put out a statement tonight that he's staying at the University of Memphis. Um, but I wasn't going to be that shocked. No. I'm telling you, Kev, yeah. nowadays, like, look, the last two big recruits Penny Hardaway had locked up, like, I'm talking huge ones, were R.J. Hampton. R.J. Hampton went and played overseas and then went to the NBA. And Jalen Green, who went to Team Ignite to go play in the G League last year. It's not the same game, even as it was a couple of years ago. And the other thing is he wanted to bring in coaching legend Larry Brown. And because Larry's had his own set of compliance issues, compliance is standing in the way. But in fact, they announced tonight, Larry Brown is going to be Penny Hardaway's assistant coach at the University of Memphis. That's something else. It's unbelievable, right? But you're seeing a lot of these guys get looks. Um, and also, and I, and I do think it's very, very good to have an infusion of African-American coaches in the NBA. It's something that has been brought up in the past. It was disgraceful how few there were. And I don't think that it is, um, I, 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 I don't think it's necessarily coincidence. You have teams that respond the way they do to Nate McMillan, Ty Lue. And Monty. Monty Williams, mm-hmm. three of those guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and so... We'll see uh, what takes place with these other jobs. I read somewhere that uh, Kenny Atkinson was the favorite. Yeah, I saw that too, that he could be the favorite for the Orlando job. But that's still unclear at this point. That'd be a good hire. Yeah, Kenny Atkinson's a really good coach. Well, I just like that he took a young team and developed a real culture of a bunch of guys that really played for each other and succeeded. And that was one of the... I, I just liked that team so much. The, that Nets that team year. was really fun to watch. That was a great Nets team to watch. They were. I got to ask you something before we get out of here tonight. So the draft stuff happened. The combine's taking place, right? Yep. And I just want to ask you about a couple of names that I read about. So it seems like over the course of the last week, you see these different names coming up. And I see people banding about on Twitter, different guys. Uh, tell me about James Bonight from UConn. It feels like he's been a real – he has been a topic of conversation over the course of the last five days in a way that I had never heard him be a conver- topic of conversation before. So James Booknight. Uh, Booknight? He, Booknight, yeah. Sophomore, okay. sophomore guard from UConn. Uh, for him, you know, 6'3", 6'4", elite athlete, super explosive, speedy, you know, got springs in his legs, like that type of thing, can create off the dribble for you. And the question with him after his season at UConn shot 30% from three was, well, how good can his jump shot be? He shot over 80% from the free throw line, has good touch, you know, on those floaters and layups. Well, he shot the heck out of it at the combine and looked so fluid, so smooth. So we talked earlier about Reggie Jackson, about mm-hmm. how having an improved jump shot has changed his game. Well, if Book Knight's jump shot is for real and this continues through workouts, I mean, it looked great. If that continues, Chris, uh, I mean, there's like no doubt he's going to be a lottery pick. So that's no why he started getting talked about in a way yeah. that just had not it, it, before. It's like it's like the jump shot activated mm. everything for him, right? Like if that if the jumper's for real, everything else suddenly becomes way, 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 way more appealing. Played for a good coach, Hurley, in yeah, uh, yeah. At, at, at UConn, right? So you know, you know, he played for uh, a guy that demands something. Other ones, uh, just from combine stuff, a guy that I was familiar with, Keon Johnson from Tennessee. My God, when they posted his vert, 
48-inch. I was like, <laughs> now he had, people can go back and look this up on YouTube for those of you that are big NBA fans but don't really watch college basketball that much. He had probably my favorite college dunk of the year. It was in the Georgia game. So you could just type in Keon Johnson versus Georgia. And it is, I mean, you can tell this guy is a a leaper that is uncommon because <laughs> he just rises out of nowhere and just spikes on a kid. Um, hell of an athlete, but God, I didn't know that. I mean, I think they said he set the record. 48 inches. I think Pretty you've wild. had him at the you've had him in the top 10. Yeah. Uh even before that happened, right? Yep. But I mean, when you're talking about that kind of an athlete fast twitch stuff, <laughs> you never know how high a guy can get. The the funny thing with Keon Johnson is he didn't start playing basketball full time until he was in high school. So he's wow. one, he's one of those types of guys who getting a little bit of a late start. Mm. Well, and he was also on a disappointing college team. Yeah. Right. I mean, like they, they, they fluttered out. The other one was the Moses Moody wingspan. Like, <laughs> remember when I told you I saw Mikel Bridges for the first time in person? And I was like, I've never seen anything like this. This Moses Moody thing, if you see the pictures of him, like, there's pictures of him touching the floor and touching the top of a doorway <laughs> at the same time. He's standing sideways. And he is touching a door and the floor at the same time. His mom calls him the human selfie stick because his arms are that damn long. Now, I love that Arkansas team that Musselman had this past year. But, man, you get a guard. He's a good little scorer, Moody is. And that kind of wingspan, oh, my God. There's a group of GMs that will absolutely go bonkers over that uh, they're salivating over yes. a wingspan like that and he's the type of guy who can tie his shoes without bending over because his arms are so yes. long yes and but those things like it's one of those things where sometimes they talk about like hand size or they talk about this or they talk about that like the wingspan thing matters a lot in rebounding in defense and also getting your shot off because oh, yeah. you could get the shot off like you're a damn seven footer even if you're six six you know um, so th- some of those measurements were crazy, but the Moody would stood out, the Keon Johnson would stand out. But I don't know how high are you gonna, how high could you see that book night kid going? Because he, boy, I hear a lot about him this past week. Top ten wouldn't shock me. Lottery, oh, wow. lottery safer to say, but I mean, like he's after, the first one. He's the first one that's really like flown up after the like. top four. It kind of flattens out in terms of how teams are talking about these guys. Like Kaminga is fifth on most people's boards, but we'll see. I mean, Scotty Barnes, you know, another guy who seemed to have a good week at the combine was already rising even before the combine on a lot of teams' boards. So maybe he slides up to five. Book Knight could fly up too. I mean, this draft after the top three, four guys, it's all a matter of taste. But you think it's very, very good. The draft. Yes. Yeah, I think there's a lot of talent. I think there's a lot of talent this year. And in terms of there's guys that are easily projectable into roles, you know, like Moses Moody, you mentioned him. It's so easy to project him into a three and D role. Will he become much more than that? I don't know. I mean, like there's a lot that he needs to figure out in his game, you know, in terms of generating shots off the dribble and everything. But like, there's no doubt about his ability to do that. Right. 
Um, same thing with like some of the other guys. Like there's no doubt about like a, a, a Wagner being a solid defender who can hit threes for you and make the smart play. Can he reach a higher level than that? We'll see. Can Davion Mitchell be more than a six foot, you know, tough, hard nosed, gritty defensive guard who hits some big shots for you? Can he be a go-to guy? I don't know. We'll find out over the course of time. But you know what at worst he's going to be. You know what at worst he's going to be. He is and a that, and Rottweiler. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, and that's the thing with this year's draft. There's a lot of those guys where I feel like you know at worst what they're going to be. And that's a, that to me is a good draft. It's a yeah. good draft. Let me ask you real quickly. Any other Baylor guys? Because that was the big title team. I know Mitchell's real high. There's the other kid that's got the Mitchell. Jared flags. Butler. So Jared Butler is the other main one there, and he was out because of he's, the the heart he's med flag, right? Yeah, but we'll we'll see if he gets cleared from that, like he did at Baylor. Um, hopefully, because you know he's super super talented, man. I'm re- really a big fan of his game. I like Jared Butler a lot. Yeah, usually there's at least three on national title teams that end up at worst getting a cup of coffee. Um, and that Butler team was just devastating. Or I mean, I'm sorry, that Baylor team yeah. was just devastating. My God. All right, Kevin, who the hell knows who we're going to be talking about <laughs> on Friday? Uh, yep. uh, who knows who's going to be playing by the time we next talk? Um, because we're going to keep our fingers crossed that Giannis can come back. Get, keep our fingers crossed that nobody else gets injured. Uh, Trey Young could come back. Capella, yeah. nothing's wrong with him. I mean, like, hopefully that series did not get just napalmed tonight. And then on the other side, let's just hope there's no other injuries and at least get to finish out Clips and uh, Phoenix. But both of these series looked like they could be quick work, that they might be, you know, five-game series. And we know that neither of those – are going to be five-game series, and it would not shock me now if we get two game sevens. Not one Unbelievably. Bit. Wouldn't shock me at all. I'd sign up for that. Yeah, I would too. At game least, sevens are always fun. <laughs> at least you would get two game sevens, even if it is uh, by the time we get to that, it's going to end up being uh, Pat Connaughton versus Kevin Herger. <laughs> <laughs> as the big showdown. <laughs> Maybe ESPN can uh, promote it like that. Tonight, <laughs> game seven. Trey Young's on the bench. Clint Capella's on the bench. Giannis is on the bench. Middleton's banged up. But it's going to be Herder versus Connaughton. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Oh, man. All right, Kev. Hopefully no more injuries. I'll talk to you on Friday. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks to Carlos for filling in as our producer, and we'll talk to you later in the week. Yeah.